128 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about opposition to secession. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as Walter E. Williams, big tech censorship, intellectual dishonesty, political bias, or the Pennsylvania vote count comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, and Rumble. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment to scroll down and give the podcast a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Rush Limbaugh recently uttered the S-word on his program. You know what I'm talking about. Secession. The usual suspects in the alphabet soup mainstream corporate press went batshit crazy over the idea. They called it nonsense, dangerous, treasonous, unconstitutional, un-American. They strangely claimed it goes against federalism, and they said it was racist. Limbaugh caught so much flack that he felt compelled to open his next show with a segment explaining that he was not an advocate for secession. Now, I wouldn't say he apologized or even walked it back, since there was nothing to walk back. His original comments, he simply said that the trend towards secession is picking up, given all that divides the nation. Nonetheless, he took great pains to clarify his position, which seemed very odd to me and led me to cobble together this episode. I have produced three other episodes on secession. Number episodes number 87, 88, and 110. In episode 87, I introduced you to the concept of secession, discussed some of the current and past secession movements, and walked you through three reasons why secession is not only desirable, but necessary. In episode 88, I explained how secession is justified and refute most of the common arguments against it. And finally, in episode 110, I make the argument that secession is the only thing that can save America from itself. Please give those a listen as part of this discussion. First, I want to circle back to a couple of the objections that I heard from the corporate press after Limbaugh's comments. Number one, in regards to the secession is racist claim, you know, because the South tried to secede over slavery, Lincoln decided to invade and make things right. I addressed this claim in detail in episode 88, but I want to augment my previous comments. First of all, what isn't racist to these people? Playing the race card is their go-to move. When in doubt on how to refute a position held by someone you disagree with, call them or their position racist. See, the problem for this claim is the South were not the aggressors in the Civil War. They were not the invaders. They wanted to be left alone. They wanted to secede from the Union. Lincoln, however, wanted to prevent secession and preserve the Union regardless of the cost. Think about the devastation that Lincoln put into motion the deaths of over 600,000 citizens, the destruction of the South. Obviously, the reason the South wanted to secede was driven by race, slavery, of course, but that does not make the act of secession racist. It's just more of the same intellectually dishonest BS from the left. This line of reasoning would get you a failing grade in any course on logic. Because A was done in the past for reason X does not mean that every time A is done now is for reason X. 
The Constitution required nine states to ratify it in order for it to go into effect, with New Hampshire being the ninth state to ratify in June of 1788. The nine states to ratify the Constitution seceded from the Union that they had created more than ten years before with the Articles of Confederation. I suppose those nine colonies were racist too? Do these same people claim that Brexit is racist? What about the secession movement in California called Cal Exit? Do they claim it is racist? Was it racist for the colonies to secede from Britain in the first place? If seceding was such an egregious offense, why don't we hear these same people displaying outrage over the northern states' contemplation of secession over the fugitive slave laws? See, they opposed those laws because they violated their conscience. They did not feel that it was right to return slaves to their owners if they were caught in the North, having escaped the South. I mean, if secession is this despicable concept, then it should apply across the board. But as with most things in American politics, ideology cuts deeper than principles. This entire argument is laughable, pathetic, intellectually dishonest, and intellectually lazy. I particularly love the we-are-one-nation-under-God, indivisible argument. The idea that the Union is considered some kind of sacred entity leaves people with the impression that something like secession equates to blasphemy or treason. I cover the we are indivisible claim extensively in the other episode, so I won't repeat myself here. But seriously, the Pledge of Allegiance is nothing but words. It's not a contract like the Constitution. It's nothing but a motto, an axiom that we mindlessly utter. Nothing more. Furthermore, the Pledge of Allegiance mentions God. Are these idiots who argue against secession on the grounds that it violates the spirit of the pledge really going to just conveniently ignore the God part? These are the same people who have chased God out of the public square. These are the same people who have replaced God with a bunch of little G-gods like the environment, abortion, social justice, gender, and equality. Again, their argument is laughable, pathetic, and intellectually dishonest, and intellectually lazy. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know that my favorite technique to make a point or try to win a debate is through the lost art of asking questions. As a matter of fact, I started this podcast out in episode 2 with probably the most important question of the last two generations. In that episode, The Truth About Abortion, I posed a question to pro-abortion advocates. What about the baby? The question is so profound that it literally pierces the soul of so-called pro-choicers. It destroys all of their arguments about women's health and choice and all the other charade-induced arguments that they throw up. If they dare answer the question truthfully, they are admitting to being advocates for the death of innocent babies. That may be an extreme example, but it applies to all politics and public policy discussions. The majority of people are unable to defend their position. They don't know why they believe what they believe, and since they've been led to believe that anyone who disagrees with those sentiments are evil, they're never forced to think critically about the words that come out of their mouth. Certainly no one has ever challenged them. The left side of the political spectrum is very comfortable in their echo chamber. Suffice it to say, I'm going to thread this discussion with direct questions for skeptics of secession and dare them to answer them honestly, and in so doing, demonstrate the weakness of their arguments. Having spent a good deal of time in the previous episodes discussing the basics around secession, the main issue I want to address with this episode is why is there so much consternation and opposition to secession? 
why is there so much lying and disinformation about it by the alphabet soup mainstream corporate press? Why the demonization of anyone who suggests it? It would be foolish of any of us to take these people at their word without trying to understand if there are ulterior motives, and if there are, what are they, and why do they have them? So let's look at the reaction to talks of secession and see what we can uncover. Most of the talking heads and columnists who warn against secession are ignoramuses. Period. End of story. These people are useful idiots parroting progressive talking points. Why would you take the word of people like Geraldo Rivera, Rachel Maddow, Chris Cuomo, Chris Wallace, Christine Amanpour, Joe Scarborough, Wolf Blitzer, Brian Stelzer, Joy Reid, Trevor Noah, Chris Hayes, Ben Steiner, or Chuck Todd as anything worthy of serious consideration is beyond me. If you are reading the New York Times, CNN.com, Mother Jones, BuzzFeed, MSNBC, LA Times, Huffington Post, and they are arguing against secession and doing the usual name-calling and offering up the same old, worn-out, easily deflected objections to it, you must, as a free and critical thinker, ask yourself, are they providing me with real information here, or are they just spewing talking points? Is their presentation one-sided? If so, why? You must understand that many of those on the progressive side of the political spectrum feel actual contempt for people who do not agree with them politically. We all know that Trump derangement syndrome is not just a humorous throwaway line. There was similar madness and mental instability displayed against every Republican or conservative leader going way back. We're talking about everyone from Goldwater to Gingrich, Romney to Ryan, Bork to Kavanaugh, and everyone in between. Why is it that every Republican leader in the past 50 years are all painted as evil, diabolical, stupid, criminal, incompetent, racist, bigot, homophobe? As I have speculated countless times on this podcast, I think the reason is because the left cannot defend their positions on their merits. So their only alternative is to devolve into name-calling, casting dispersions, and character assassination. They are aided by a biased mainstream media and never refuted. They do not see the connection that the behavior over the years actually led to the election of Trump. So back to my point, are you so intellectually lazy that you are willing to take the word of dimwits, like I just mentioned, or partisan hack news outlets on a topic such as this? What about Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton or James Madison, all of whom supported and advocated for secession? Or why not read some of the constitutional ratification debates within the 13 colonies? You mean to tell me that Geraldo Rivera and Brian Stelzer hold sway over the founders of our nation? Are you kidding me? It's on you if you just take what these people say for granted. You're not a truth seeker at that point. You're a Kool-Aid drinker. So let's jump into some specific questions. Here's one for all of those sanctimonious talking heads and media outlets. Question. How would the secession of a state or multiple states impact you? That was me allowing an awkward silence to set in. You always need to give your debate partner time to think and respond. Don't worry, however, because as is most often the case, they will not have anything to respond with. Anyways, how about you in the audience? Those of you listening to this podcast, how would the secession of a state impact you? Answer, it wouldn't. So back to the skeptics. Assuming that they cannot provide a real impact to themselves, why do they oppose the idea if it will have no impact on them. It would be like me getting pissed off at my next door neighbor's kid for failing a chemistry exam. How does that impact me in the slightest? Imagine if California seceded from the union. Oh, wait a minute, that's a bad example. 
They have so much debt, they would never be able to get their fiscal house in order without federal dollars. Let's say, how about Florida or Texas or even New Hampshire? What if one of those states seceded from the United States and became a sovereign nation? How would that impact your life or the lives of any of the talking heads or columnists? Really, how would that impact anyone? It wouldn't. So why the pushback? Well, after you dismiss their ignorance and their hate for anyone with ideas incongruent with their own, what are we left with? Well, I have a few ideas about what is really going on here with the opposition to such an innocuous claim as secession. Like most things emanating from Washington, D.C., it has to do with power and control, just like everything in public policy arena. It has to do with centralization versus decentralization. It has to do with profound ignorance on the part of the public, which is compounded by lies and disinformation. So first, power and control. If a state leaves the union, Washington, D.C. loses. Most importantly, they lose the tax revenue. Now, don't gloss over that fact. Money is everything in D.C. Think about all the strings attached to the federal dollars, from highway and infrastructure spending to education and the environment. You think our overlords are willing to give up all of that without a fight? What about the slippery slope? Once one state secedes, how long until others follow suit? Let's briefly touch on the idea of centralization versus decentralization. Why should we be stuck with one-size-fits-all? Abortion, marriage, speed limit, guns, a drinking age, drug laws. What about Obamacare and other socialized medicine, Medicare-for-all schemes? All of it means more centralized power and control. Why do progressives and liberals feel compelled to shove their agenda down our throats? Just leave us the hell alone. Just think if secession were a regular topic of conversation in America. Do you think the federal government would feel secure enough to do half the shit they do? If the threat of losing millions of federal income taxpayers due to a state or two or three seceding from the union was real, we would be in much better shape culturally, economically, spiritually, fiscally, and monetarily. The evidence of the internal stability as states left the Union would have a well-deserved, devastating international implications in D.C. Question for skeptics. Can you explain why the Constitution repeatedly refers to the states, plural? Here's another. Why is the country called the United States of America? Hmm. Could it be that the sovereign states united Here's another question for skeptics. Why did the Treaty of Paris, the peace treaty between Britain and the colonies, why did the Treaty of Paris name each individual state rather than one country? One of the most intellectually lazy methods of casting dispersions on any idea is to point out how difficult it would be. Secession's no different. We hear it all the time. It would be impossible, followed by a bunch of whatabouts. Well, what about money and currency? What about the national debt? What about taxes? What about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid? What about state revenue from the feds? What about immigration and citizenship? What about infrastructure maintenance? What about the military? I find this type of convenient alarmism and disparaging poo-pooing particularly amusing. These same people will ignore any and all relevant what-about questions when it comes to going to war or messing with minimum wage. They couldn't care less about the whatabouts of killing innocent babies in the womb, or the whatabouts of lockdowns during the COVID-19 outbreak. They refused to discuss the whatabouts of modernization of our debt and the hyperspeed devaluation of the U.S. dollar. 
They will ignore legitimate questions about voter fraud. But when you have the audacity to articulate a vision whereby liberty can be attained by a few states through secession, they lose their minds and start machine-gunning. What about? The lack of consistency and intellectual honesty, quite frankly, disqualifies them from being heard at all. I address all of those whatabouts in episode 110, but honestly, all of these questions are irrelevant. They are simply used to overwhelm all the useful idiots who cannot think past the latest talking point. The decision to secede is not something where you spin your wheels and analyze and overanalyze. It's something you do because the system is broken. We have serious irreconcilable differences in this country. Simply put, we are a divided nation. In the words of disgraced former Democratic senator from North Carolina and shamed VP candidate John Edwards, there are two Americas. Some of us just want to preserve America or make it great again, preserve the founders' vision of limited government. We just want to be left alone with a government that stays in its lane, protects our rights, and follows the Constitution. The other America wants to fundamentally transform the country and change our traditions. They have no intention of coexisting with the first group. As a matter of fact, they spend an enormous amount of energy trying to contrive methods of forced conformity with their worldview. They punish their ideological foes. Question for skeptics. Why should the former group be forced to endure living with these intolerant transformationalist assholes? Think about it. What do the people of Oklahoma, Alabama, South Carolina, and North Dakota have in common with Southern California? Illinois, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York City. They disagree on everything that matters. Killing innocent babies in the womb, monetary, fiscal, and economic policy, social issues, levels of freedom and liberty, disease control, and election integrity. The latter wants one-party rule. They want open borders to end the filibuster, pack the courts with liberal judges, and abolish the electoral college. Can someone please explain to me why we should be forced to remain together? No one ever answers that question. Here's another question for skeptics. Are opponents of secession really saying that every state is a prisoner of the United States? That we have an indefinite prison sentence? The current direction of our nation is national bankruptcy, rampant inflation, continued undeclared foreign entanglements, and corruption at the highest levels of government. It's the disintegration of the world's greatest superpower. Our rule book, the Constitution, has been roundly rejected, conveniently ignored, and bastardized by two centuries of bullshit Supreme Court precedent. Can the skeptic explain why we should remain in this dysfunctional relationship? Secession is not necessarily permanent. People get divorced and end up remarrying years later all the time. Texas or Florida, or you take your pick, could secede from the Union and coexist as a separate nation with its bankrupt heading for the fiscal and social cliff former spouse, the United States of America, and after a decade or two, after the federal government collapses, uses its last bit of credibility with its remaining constituents, the seceded states could enter negotiations to rejoin the Union or create a new one with other sane member states. The new constitution will have many new amendments and protections, including strong pullback or exit mechanisms in place. The United States could come back stronger than before, but the pain in the interim is likely to be extensive. Questions for skeptics. Probably the most relevant question you need to ask yourself is, do you want to preempt the collapse of the United States? Do you want to preserve some semblance of liberty and freedom? 
If you answer yes to either, then you should support secession. America has reached a point in its history that all other strong and powerful nations have reached. The run is over. We rotted from within with a sinister recipe of greed, power, control, special interests, social experiments, a printing press, and probably most importantly, by ignoring the Judeo-Christian principles of our founding. Our overlords in Washington, D.C. have broken free from their constitutional constraints to such an egregious extent that the only way to preserve a semblance of our past glory is to cut ties with the corrupt, boundary-overstepping federal government. The only logical solution is divorce. The federal government has broken its marriage vows with the states, or if you prefer, the federal government is in breach of the contract with the states, that contract being the U.S. Constitution. The states created the federal government, gave it limited powers, and over the course of 250 years, it has literally become a Frankenstein monster with thousands of agencies, regulations, and departments, millions of employees doing shit that has no constitutional power or directive to do. Most opposition to secession that you see and hear is born of ignorance. These talking heads and columnists are clueless and simply repeat talking points. But when you begin to peel back the onion, and understand the ramifications of secession, the root cause of real opposition is loss of power, control, and revenue by the centralized, tyrannical federal government. They cannot afford to let any of their subjects escape their iron grip. How dare you even consider such a thing? Who the hell do you think you are? Free and sovereign states? Are you kidding me? You are subjects of the Leviathan. You need to sit down and shut up and stop talking about secession. And that's the truth about opposition to secession. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.